Hello and welcome back. It is the Behind the Box Score podcast. It's episode five. I came out with two episodes last week. If you missed the episode where I went over the Damian Lillard trade with Ron Slay, make sure you go and tune into that. We are now through four weeks of the NFL season and a few weeks until the NBA season. A little bit of housekeeping here on BTB. We are going to be doing a whole NBA season preview here in two weeks where I'll have uh, guys like Zach Gaspion, one of my good friends, a Boston Celtics fan. Uh, we'll just go crazy right now for a little bit over the Drew Holiday trade for a few minutes. I'll, I'll try and get Ron Slay on again. And of course, I'll be joined by who I'm joined with uh, tonight, Alex Comas, as usual. Alex, good evening. How are you? Pretty good, Matt. You know, just <laughs> g- getting through my week. Thought it was a good weekend. And then Monday night happened. <laughs> and now I'd, I have no, very little to look forward to. Going th- going through this pod, especially in segment one. But let's kick it off, Mac. Yeah, the little bit of hope that you had may be uh, completely eradicated. We are going to get into the Giants debacle against the Seahawks. We're going to talk Titans and Cincy, flesh both of those two sides of that game out and what the future could be like. We're going to touch on the Eagles and the Commanders game just for a little bit. We're going to do a monthly report where we go just kind of best and worst. I don't have a lot to back that up, but just monthly report, kind of my eye test on where I see the league right now on a couple of things. And then uh, we'll do a little bit of a worry meter to end us off. No cross-off list this week. We'll just do a worry meter. I'll name a couple of things. You'll say how worried you are, 1 to 10, and we'll flesh a little bit of those out as well. But like we mentioned, Alex, we're going to start with uh, your New York football giants, and they don't really seem to be doing a lot of the football thing at least successfully right now, a rough loss, 24 to three. And Alex, uh, I'll let you take the floor here, but uh, seven teams failed to score an offensive touchdown in week four. Only one did it in prime time. It was your New York Giants. And uh, I'll just let you have the floor here, Alex. How do you feel? Uh, Pretty depressed, Mac. Um, it, You know, just, I, I think the most infuriating thing, and, and we kind of got on it uh talked about it a little on Twitter um, when you, you brought up a tweet this week talking about Ben McAdoo and, you know, there was a Giants fan talking about how Ben McAdoo was right, how he wanted Mahomes, how he knew Davis Webb wasn't the answer, how he knew Eli's time was coming to an end. And my answer to you then was that it didn't matter who they put at quarterback during those during that McAdoo year. It didn't matter for the final two years of Eli's career who was at center. It wasn't on Eli. It was because of the offensive line. And I don't think there could have been a better illustration put forth than last night at the fact that the offensive line was just bull rushed every single possession. And Daniel Jones had no time to throw the ball, had to get rid of the ball within one to two seconds. Unfortunately, that led to a pick six. Um, that he certainly rushed, in which if he let the play develop more, he probably would have hit Darren Waller, who was wide open in the back of the end zone. But because of that constant pressure that he's feeling all night, constantly having to escape the pocket and get five to ten yards um, to progress, move the ball forward, you know, you had no running game to go off of as well because you had Saquon out. Um, the the offensive line was as bad as I've ever seen it. Abysmal. I mean, it, it's absolutely abysmal. It, it is. Evan Neal was getting cooked, oh, God, cooked Jesus. on uh, at right tackle all all game yesterday, all game, and and that's your first round pick that you you spent last year. 
And that's that's what's disappointing. He blocked Darren Waller yep. on a play and made him fall, literally blocking his own tight end. And that that fourteen to three, that pick six that you talked about, it was fourteen to three at the time. The Giants had just succeeded on a fourth down and short conversion, could have kicked the field goal, but Brian Dayball aggressive, trying to get back in this game, gain some momentum, and then, like you said, rushed on a decision, and that that completely ended the game. And we were talking about it last week: Titans, Giants, O line. Who has the worst? I said Titans, undoubtedly. And here we go. One week later, I think I'm going to flip on that. Your offensive line, I, I don't know. I don't know, Alex. I don't know where you go from here. Like, what is the next step? When we're talking about the future, you're right. Hire a new coach, some draft picks, clean house. But this season, what what go, what do you do? Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's one interesting statistic from uh, Gridiron Media um, on Twitter. You know, they, they wrote... The Giants have drafted four offensive linemen during um, Bobby Johnson, who's their current O-line coach's tenure uh, with the Giants. The rounds in which they're drafted in their PFF grade. Um, so Evan Neal was drafted in the first round, 42.5 PFF grade. You have John Michael Schmitz, second round, 49.0 uh, draft grade. Unfortunately, John Michael Schmitz went down in the second possession of, or second drive of the game for the Giants last night. Mm-hmm. So there goes your center. You're already having to make shift. Uh, with your moving Bretson over to center um, and bringing in uh, Lemieux, Shane Lemieux, who has been statistically one of the worst offensive linemen in the NFL this year. You had to bring him in to play right guard for the rest of the night. And that's that for me is when I saw when I saw that happen, I was like, oh, boy, they're they're in a world of hurt here. Uh, but but continuing on, you had Josh Ezidu, third round, 49.9. Marcus McKethan, fifth round, 49.7. Out of those guys, they they haven't developed any of them. The only guy that they have developed from the offensive line in the last five years has been Andrew Thomas. And Andrew Thomas mm-hmm. this year, he's been he's been banged up, so he hasn't been able to make a difference this year. They paid him this offseason, deservingly so, because he has improved. But that's the only offensive lineman that you've seen improvement from. You look at Will Hernandez, who was on the Giants for four years, Will Hernandez was not a good offensive lineman with the New York Giants. This season, he's with the Arizona Cardinals at center, and he's having one of the and he's graded as one of the best pass blocking centers in the league. He's been top five this this season in the NFL among all offensive linemen. And this guy, when he was with your organization, was trash. <laughs> like they've and and Mac, I, I've I've again I told you this week, and I looked it up as well. Giants offensive line ranks since their last Super Bowl win in 2012. All right, I'm just going to rattle from 2013 to 2022. 28th, 20th, 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 26th, 21st, 17th, 31st, 30th, 29th. Mm. Wow. So 17th was the best there. It's been bottom half. It's been bottom 12, (laughs) bottom five. Oh, man, Alex, that's rough. 11 sacks allowed last night. 11 sacks allowed. Oh, it's, I, I, I feel sorry for you, Alex. I really do. Most of the time I get up here, I go, ha wow, the New York Giants, they suck. Oh, Alex, is that, this was sad. This was sad. And Daniel Jones, you, you signed him to a four-year, $160 million contract, $82 million fully guaranteed. I just feel like... The franchise tag was the obvious choice for Daniel Jones. You guys didn't know really exactly. You guys weren't. No one was completely sold on Daniel Jones. He had a great season with the rookie 
uh, or excuse me, coach of the year last year in Brian Dayball. But no one was still like, this is the franchise or this isn't the franchise. I mean, I'm sure some people were sold either way, but the consensus was really like, eh, need another year. Got to see some more. I, I don't really know for sure. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but I don't think he's Desmond Ritter either. And now all of a sudden, 82 million fully guaranteed. You guys can't get out of this contract this year. Maybe next year, it looks like when I look at the spot track, there's there's some buyout opportunity and stuff like that after next season. But you guys are with Danny Dimes for for the remaining of this year and next year at least. And again, we're laying out the offensive line issue, so I don't want to act like it's all Danny Dimes, but obviously that's one of the problems. How much percentage-wise, and let's just look at last night alone, percentage-wise, fault, blame towards O-line and towards Daniel Jones. What's the percentage there? I'd probably lay 70% on the offensive line. I think that's fair. And 30% on Daniel Jones. And honestly, now that I think a little bit more, maybe 25, 20% on Daniel Jones and that other 10% on maybe lack of weapons. But I, I don't think, like last night, it wasn't clear and obvious, oh, he doesn't have any weapons. I think, you know, you could say last night, not having Saquon, your backup running back is Matt Breida. Um, I, I mean, there I, there's several better running backs in the league that they could have gotten to be a backup for Saquon who gets injured at, you know, every season almost just because of how high of a workload he takes on the fact that they didn't really look to address that. Um, especially too that Saquon is not going to be back next year that you don't have a plan B, um, in place yet. I, I think I'm a little bit disappointed in that, that we couldn't do something a little bit better there. And there's no excuse um, for that either, Alex. I mean, honestly, I mean, you, you Again, at Kansas City Chiefs in here, so I just kind of immediately think about my team. But, I, I mean, Isaiah Pacheco in the sixth round, McKinnon's a 31, 32-year-old vet, and then, you know, Clyde, which was a miss in the first round. But all three of those guys are are more formidable and, and, and a better piece than Matt Breed or even Eric Gray. I mean, there's there's so many running backs in this league that you can get for cheap and have come and be a part of a system. And I'm not saying Matt Breed is a veteran. He's hopped around, but he hasn't done anything of worth in – five six seasons really i mean honestly and even then his peak wasn't really much so i completely agree with you i mean you've got a guy in in saquon who's who's taken the load time and time again over and over season by season and he's had injuries in the past and to not even address that when you have a quarterback who you're not necessarily 100 percent confident in and know you're going to need that running game to back him up yeah i i agree i agree and and also too you know you're big your big acquisition this offseason as far as weapons go for for Danny Dimes was Darren Waller. And your offensive line is so bad that Darren Waller is having to chip in in blocking to be able to assist, and that's that's taking away from him doing what he's best at in terms of getting open. Um, and also, too, it, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't help, too, that your quarterback is feeling constantly pressured. Um, and is not allowing plays to develop um, and is not able to go through multiple reads. So you're missing opportunities to hit Waller because he's got to get the ball out quick. Um, So again, like most of this blame I put on the offensive line, um, but obviously throwing that pick six um, that Danny Dimes threw that 97 yard pick six to Devon Witherspoon, who had a hell of a game yesterday for Man. Seattle. I was Oof. I was impressed. Stud. Um, 
yeah. Uh, t- throwing that pick six there, I-, I don't know what Danny Dimes is doing there, and and that's just poor decision making. There's there's no one to blame there. Uh, that that falls on him. Um, and there was a clip also earlier in the game in which, um, there I think it was a third down play. Uh, Brian Dable was arguing with Danny Dimes on the sideline about it and said, you know, pass pass it. And Danny said, I didn't think we wanted to pass or I didn't think it was a pass. Uh, and Evan Neal, you see in the picture as well, you know, scream out, God damn it, which, yeah. you know, is ironic because Evan Neal had probably the worst game of all the offensive linemen yesterday. Um, so he'd probably be the last one to get angry. Yeah, but... He shut his mouth a little bit there on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I feel like it's just it ha- with New York sports teams, like there always has to be drama and just complete chaos. And unfortunately the giants are just like the jets kind of, uh, t- or the jets very much. So this season, the giants are, do- you know, diving right into their own chaos uh, right now, especially for the expectations that were had with this team. I don't think anyone expected them to be winning this NFC East division, but certainly people expected them to be contending in the NFC and for them to look as abysmal as they've looked in the, in these four weeks. I mean, it is really disappointing as a fan and it's, it's, it's concerning for sure. Uh, hope is very much dwindling. Daniel Jones 0-7 on Monday Night Football, a minus 82-point differential, uh, 10 touchdowns, 8 picks. That's from Trey Wingo on Twitter. And then you've got the lowest quarterback ratings this season. It's Daniel Jones second to last at a 70 quarterback rating this year. And it's just sad. Then you look at the next two games for the New York Giants, and it's not going to get any easier. Wow, Alex, at Miami, at Buffalo. And all of a sudden, it's 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 a one in five start, and the season's kind of done. That's over. Yeah. And, and and Mac, they play they play the Commanders week seven, yeah. and that's that's no guarantee Heck because no. the Giants historically have played the Commanders when the Commanders have been bad, and they still the Giants have found ways to lose those games that they should be winning or just play those games tight and end up barely getting through. And the way the commanders played this weekend, which we're going to dive into a little bit later against the Eagles. Why wouldn't I think that they'd lose to the commanders? hundred percent. But I I do want to mention though, really quick before we move on, I think the defense though for the giants has played really well. And week Martindale's done a good job. They didn't play well week, week two against Arizona, but the all four weeks or, you know, they dialed in the second half when they needed to, but, you know, through the workload of, the, of, you know, four weeks, they have played well enough. It's just this offense cannot put up points, and this defense is stuck being on the field way longer than they need to. Um, and ultimately that's that's resulted in deficits in which it's, it's too hard to come back from. Uh, but again, it, it's largely in part due to the offense's lack of success. Yeah, huge Wink Martindale fan, one of the few – bright spots on the team the least amount of points scored this season for the Giants 46 which makes it tough on that defense in week Martindale the second least point scored this year Cincinnati with 49 which brings us to our next segment here Alex Titans back on track and Cincinnati are they done already we going through those quarterback ratings Ryan Tannehill's in the fourth worst right now so far this season and, and listen guys quarterback rating take it for what it's worth I'm not saying this is all set in stone but this is just kind of painting a little bit of a picture 
um, of, of where these guys are at right now. Ryan Tannehill was fourth worst. It was a 74.9. We mentioned Danny Daniel Jones at 70, second to last. Joe Burrow, 69.1, the worst quarterback rating in the league right now. Again, only 49 points scored this year. Only three offensive touchdowns scored all season, not one in the first half. We mentioned it. We talked about the Bengals last week and how I said, you know what? I think Joe Burrow is around 70%. I don't think that's the case anymore. This is really, really bad, Alex. I don't know where they go from this. And really, I don't know if it's just, we talked about how it's an indictment on the Cincinnati Bengals and how an undrafted guy in Jake Browning as your backup plan when you know you have your franchise quarterback who you just made the highest paid quarterback in the league an injury issue before the season and you didn't address it, that's on you. But more than that, not just for this year, for the longevity of your franchise, you're risking it. You've got a guy in Joe Burrow who has not had an offseason yet, and I know a couple of those things are different. Obviously, he had the calf this year. A few years ago, it was uh, his uh, knee. He had... Uh, COVID, there, there's been a lot of different things, but he, he still hasn't had an offseason. And you mentioned in college, back in Ohio State, he had, an, it had his knee repaired. He's had health problems for a while. This is not just a new thing. And now all of a sudden, you've got this calf issue, which he's been laboring, and it's getting worse. It's not getting any better. And his pocket management looked bad. He had no athleticism at all. He He Sometimes where he'd veer out of a pocket or maybe make an easy decision, he's looking for a, a, a go route. There was one play where you have a Jamar Chase run a double move, and it's it's kind of one of those things where you go, Joe Burrow, well, you, you got your tight end streaming across on first and 10 for a five, six-yard gain, and we know Joe Burrow as the new decision maker. You know, People have compared him to a line of scrimmage masters like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, you know? So it's like, did we overestimate how much of his game relied on the athleticism? Or is this just overall the accuracy being ailed from the injury? 37% of Joe Burrow's throws were at or behind the line of scrimmage against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, another thing with this is, you know who you never wanted to blitz, blitz before? It was Joe Burrow, Alex. You never wanted to blitz him. That was a nightmare. And, and what did the Titans do? I mean, they, that's all they did. They brought heat, and there was nothing he could do. And, of course, a great front four over there with the Titans and, frankly, a front seven. That's rather scary. First possession, uh, five minutes, 48 seconds. It's your script. It's 11 plays. You drive 72 yards. You weren't able to punch it in. Cincinnati gets a field goal. After that, punt, 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 fumble, punt, turnover on downs. That was the rest of their offense. I, I, don't, know. I don't know where to go. I mean, I, I'm not counting Cincinnati out yet I want to I want to just say throw it away cross them off forget it whatever you want to say but I'm gonna give them another week I guess but Alex I don't know what's keeping me doing that other than I guess I've seen them in the AFC championship game two years in a row I guess that's it well I mean also too you look at their opponents the next two weeks they got the Cardinals and Seahawks so very winnable games for them but it's not to say that a, a loss to the Titans week four with how the Titans look the week prior was a disappointment for them. Um, and, and also too, the fact that the Bengals defense went from looking so good um, <laughs> against the Rams on Monday night football in yeah. week three to then now the, the Titans who, like we talked about earlier, one of the, we were debating whether they had the worst offensive line in the league last week. All of a sudden this week, they found a way to run the ball with Derrick Henry. First time all year, they were able to do that. Um, and, 
you know, that's the Titan way. They they ride off the back of Derrick Henry, who went off went for twenty two carries for one hundred and twenty two yards and a touchdown, um, and also a passing a sick passing touchdown as well. That was awesome. I, I just want to I just want to mention, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, the 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 Bengals defense didn't didn't do a great job this week as far as uh, limiting the Titans offense um, and and really getting after Tannehill. Um, they did. They did get to Tannehill for three sacks, though, but only accumulated for a loss of 15 yards um, total for them. So, but I think a lot of that has to do with the, the lackluster offense and and the fact that this offense is not being able is not able to put up the type of numbers that we've come to see the last two years um, with Joe Burrow. And you know, I talked about it last week, Mac. It that calf is really affecting him to be able to get the ball to the spot that he needs to and get it down the field. Uh, because I talked to you last week about how he's missing five yard outs on wide receivers. Yeah. So it, it it very much explains why they're having to run um, a lot of plays at or, be, or behind the line of scrimmage for him. Easy throws that aren't taking too much of a toll on his body. And you, you'd have to think too, if they had a quality backup that they could turn to, um, you know, surely this would have been the perfect, you know, three week, you know, slice in the schedule that they could have run a backup and give give Joe a bit of a rest. And that being the Titans, the Cardinals and the Seahawks, because uh, after that, they play the 49ers, which is no slouch of a game whatsoever, especially with how good the 49ers have looked. If you had any sort of competent, you know, backup quarterback in place for this situation, I mean, hell, you could have maybe even started that quarterback out the gate uh, and given Joe the first five games off, and this team would have been all right. But now you're just scrambling, um, and you're scrambling with your top guy who's clearly not <laughs> – probably at about 50%, 50-60% yeah, of his full 50. capacity, which is is really is really killing them. And it's it's turning the team you know, a bit upside down. We saw Jamar Chase's post-game comments saying – He's always effing open. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're it's feeding him the it's ball. More. They're they're feeding him the ball more. But then you got T. Higgins who gets an injury this week. He's they don't know how long he's going to be out. They said it's kind of a week to week thing. So, uh, I mean, I I'm I'm starting to get some concerned. But again, they have two winnable games upcoming this week or the next two weeks. You know, if they get two more on the board, then we're not concerned at all with them sitting at one and three or three and three. But, you know, otherwise, a one and five start and you go into a 49er game uh, week, uh, week seven. I mean, that's they're they're asking for, for for bad things to happen from there. Well, if they lose next week against Arizona, it's over. Um, and they could. It's at Arizona. Arizona is a good team. I want to talk about Josh Dobbs, go Vols. I mean, a little bit later. I mean, just so fun right now. So much fun. Picked him up in fantasy football. Excited to root for Dobbs. Way to go. But again, this is, you're talking about this year, one in five. Yeah, it would suck. It would suck if the Bengals completely missed the playoffs and had one of their worst seasons in these past couple of years. In the Joe Burrow era, when healthy, fine. But I'm telling you, as far as the future of this franchise, the Bengals are playing with fire. This is this is huge. Everything could be gone in a snap. It could all be gone, Alex. I, I, if Joe Burrow tears his... I'm knocking on wood. I, I would never want to see this in my life. But again, 
if if he furthers this calf injury and unfortunately would to tear his Achilles and now all of a sudden you've got him out for the rest of this season, the beginning of next season, and then what is he? Is he a hundred percent? Is he does he look like the Joe Burrow I knew after a few surgeries and injuries and all of this? Th- You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, a great mind, a great human with other pieces there as well. And if you fuck it up, I I mean, you'll never live this down as a franchise and you don't get players like this. Cities and franchises like Cincinnati, no. You don't land a guy like Joe Burrow every year, every five years, every 10 years, every 20 years. You don't do it. You you should not be doing this right now. They're, They're messing this up completely. And... Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater was available. I mean, there were a bunch of guys who were just available who you could have just went and got. We talked about Andy Dalton last week. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been nice? An Andy Dalton homecoming to Cincinnati? Oh, I would have loved that. I would have loved that. Bring the red rifle home. Exactly. I mean, that that would have been just perfect for them. And, and Mac, you know, going off of the Achilles injury, that is a great take from you because especially Kevin Durant, like that's how Kevin Durant Dude, tore his Achilles. Exactly, was, he was coming off of a calf injury that he was not fully healed from, and it just deteriorated to where his Achilles took the toll for it. So that that is a great point from you, and they are certainly playing with fire. But I thought I would share this tweet from Brett Coleman on Twitter. Uh, his NFL conspiracy t- theory is that if the Bengals start one or one and five, or even two and four, they shut down Burrow so he can heal. Trade T. Higgins to the Panthers, who absolutely would pay him what he wants because they need wide receivers, and then just call 2023 a wash and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, please, no. No. Don't do that. Ugh. Oh, I would be so upset. Oh, my God. That would That would be like chess while everyone's playing checkers that would be thinking five steps ahead you know what yeah fine have this season we're gonna go get marvin harrison and pair him up with jamar chase <laughs> oh gosh yeah but uh, again i'm i'm scared for cincinnati Bengals fans and and i don't like watching joe burrow play right now and not because he's not playing well but because i'm scared for him and because he's 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 not healthy and he's getting hit a lot right now behind a just piss poor offensive line so far and it shouldn't be they've put the money and the time in there um to to make that a unit and they've yet to succeed there i don't know if that's a gm issue i don't know if that's a coaching issue i don't know what it is i know orlando brown jr played for the kansas city chiefs last year and he wasn't great he wasn't bad he was good though he was he was even more than good at times and come playoff time he was great that's when he was great he had some lows during the season but not like not like on Sunday against the Titans. I don't I don't remember that. And maybe it and that also goes in part with Patrick Mahomes is maybe the best sack avoiding quarterback in the league. So I know those things go hand in hand. And you've got an again an an ailed Joe Burrow right now who's maybe fifty percent and can't move. So I know those things are all you know play play a part. But man, he looked rough, and they paid him a lot of money. Uh, Titans flip side, man, way to go. Way to go for Nashville. We should not take anything away from what the Titans did. Um, defensively, again, they, they blitzed the hell out of Joe Burrow. They knew what they were going up against, and they brought it to him. Uh, the, in the offense, they had three drives in the second quarter. They were all touchdowns. They were all at least 70-yard drives. These aren't like, ooh, a turnover, and then they drove 20 yards with a nice Derrick Henry run. And a, No, like they went down the field, 
They got multiple first downs, a couple of big plays. They missed a long ball in the end zone to DeAndre Hopkins. I think Hopkins could have laid out, but Tannehill looked nice. I mean, against the Blitz, he went 7 for 9, 148 yards, a touchdown. Eight Titans got a target, seven got a catch, and that was without Traylon Burks, their second-year player out of Arkansas, who hasn't been, I would, I'm not going to say disappointing yet. Again, they've had a lot of issues offensively, but has at least, it's fair to say he's had a slow start to his career, but again, I think sky's the limit. He's had a couple of injuries. He's had a couple of injuries, obviously the quarterback issues, offensive coordinator issues. There's been a bunch of hurdles he's had to get through, and I'm excited to see him maybe come back healthy with this offense that seemingly figured it out. You know, they were getting Tannehill the ball out of his hands in 2.5 seconds and under, just changing the game plan up a little bit here. You mentioned Derrick Henry getting going with the, even the touchdown pass. He's got four touchdown passes in his career. He's eight for 10 when he throws a pass in the NFL. So um, Giants need a quarterback. Bengals need a quarterback. Maybe be on the lookout for Derrick Henry. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, this, this was fun. This was a huge, this was a huge, the, the Tennessee Titans needed hope. The fan base needed to see, you know, they had two games where they didn't score a touchdown this year. The Titans needed to see like, okay, we got this. Hopkins was the right move. He's actually going to get open on first downs and be a man beater. And Tannehill's going to get him the ball on time. And, and Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry, which we talked about him last week. I said, is he a top one or two running back in the league anymore? No, probably not. Is he top five? Maybe. Is he top 10? For damn sure. He's still a beast. And the yards after contact are in Sadie at five and a half yards per carry on Sunday. And if they can keep that clicking with a guy behind him in Tajay Spears, Nick, Nick Westbrook-Akina looked good. Chris Moore looked good. You bring Traylon Burtz back. Chig had three catches. I, I, I like this Titans offense. I liked it before the season. I obviously think there are issues with that offensive line. We mentioned Andre Dillard and how completely atrocious he's been um, this season. But again, they can mitigate some of those things. They can do more play action boot rollouts. They can bring another tight end other than Chig on the field and, and have him help chip. Uh, not as many runs on second down and 10. Things like this are really going to help this Titans offense. And we saw more of it. I'm excited to see where they go from here. And yeah, I mean, Alex, do you have anything to add there? I mean, the, the Titans team, I thought they looked good. Yep. I, I, the offense, you, you, ran through perfectly Mac there, there's nothing more I could add there I think the one thing that I, I would note too is that on defense last year the Titans secondary was torched they they ranked bottom of the league um and this year they have very much turned it around back to the way they were um in 2021 and being a a, a solid unit um I think a lot of that still has to do with the, the pressure they've been able to cause up front um, it's not giving quarterbacks a lot of time to be able to to air it out, but they've still they've held up a lot better than they did last year, um, and that's certainly helped them. And their their defense is going to give them a chance in every game. Um, and if you look at the way the AFC South has been going so far this season, uh, <laughs> their defense being able to keep them within games, they're certainly going to have a chance in that division because the rest of that division doesn't look that great either. All two and two in the AFC South, and speaking of, they'll go to Indianapolis. Next week, that'll be a close game. Anthony Richardson, uh, just another rookie quarterback who's playing out of his mind. They'll host Baltimore after that. Or excuse me, that's actually going to be in London. So they'll play Baltimore in London as a home game, have a bye, host Atlanta, go to Pittsburgh, go to Tampa, go to Jacksonville. I mean, yes, some of these games are going to be tough, but 
a lot of these are winnable games for the Titans. And if the offense, again, if this is a sign of what's to come and not just an anomaly here where they had a blip of success, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. Again, I, they have the resources they need. They have the pieces in front of them to, to make something at least average to a, a above average offensively. I, I truly believe that. Uh, let's go over to uh, segment three here. The Eagles, you know, actually, wait, I, I need to reread this real quick because my brother named this segment. We are going through the prep. Segment three, commanding attention, Eagles hurt. Punny but good. Punny but good. Nice job, Ash. Uh, so I don't know how much of you watched this game. This was fun. I, this was a great game. Sam Howell's got some balls, man. I mean, he just does not give a shit. I wish Ron Rivera had the same kind of cojones because on that fourth down in regulation, Sam Howell drives down the field, gets the score, and they go for the tie instead of the two to win the game there. I don't really know uh, Rivera's reasoning for not going for it was because he felt the offense was, quote, tired. Yeah, dude. Uh, well, they were more tired. Yeah. What What do you mean? They're going to have to go on the field. I, I, guess they were, five. I guess they were too tired to win the game right there. I, I mean, that's <laughs> the, the, re, the thought process in that is just classic riverboat Ron. Just, it is. I, look, I got a ton of respect for Ron Rivera, but I think he's just past his time as a coach in the NFL. Uh, I'm sorry. So, I like, you, you have the Eagles on the ropes like that to be able to put the – together the drive that they did to be able to tie that ball game or to give them a chance to tie or win that ball game. All it takes is one play. You're telling me that your team is too tired to try and win the game in one play. I mean, just that's just poor logic right there. Um, Especially for all the work that they had done to get to that point. Yes, exactly. And as a commander's team who, who is fighting for that wild card spot this season. They they know where they're at. They have a rookie quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, you know, a lot of young pieces. You know, we don't need to go into it. Obviously, this isn't an Eagles expectation type team. And now you're there with them at the end of the game. You've been able to come back, hang in there. It's disappointing to 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 uh to not maybe just try and end that there with the uh with the cutthroat play play call. Um, so despite being 4-0, Eagles have single possession victories against the Patriots, Vikings, and Commanders. I, I wish, uh, you know, the Giants could look clearly, like, not at full capacity or full efficiency like the Eagles have through four weeks and be 4-0. But, you know, I guess we're we're just not as blessed with as much talent uh, <laughs> that, that, that they are to be able to get through these last four weeks where, you know, Mac and I, we, you, you and I have been talking about it for the last two weeks how the Eagles just haven't looked 100% yet, and yet they're still pulling out these wins, which does nothing but help them um, because they know that they could win these these one-possession games. It, it adds no sort of nerves, no pressure when they get into these moments, especially come playoff time uh, for a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. So it's it's ridiculous how <laughs> they, they can still trot out here. Me, especially, too, as the Giants fan, I hate seeing it. Uh, but they could still be out here 4-0, and they clearly have not looked great. No, they haven't looked perfect yet. They've had the flashes. Again, we've talked about them each week, so I don't want to go nauseating long about this Eagles offense. But, yeah, they've had their flashes. Brian Johnson's looked like he's figured a little bit of it out. Jalen Hurts still looks kind of weird. The offensive line, I think, has taken a step down from last season. I know they kept their guys, but 
they're all old and or most of them are old. And so I think they've taken a little bit of a step down. But again, I still think when we get to December, this Eagles team will be just fine. And I, I don't think they will be missing a step. I think it'll be a little bit different. I think Shane Steichen, you watch the, the Colts over there and Shane Steichen and what he's doing. I mean, and you watch even the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon and what they're doing over there. Obviously, those guys both had formulas that worked. And you lost the scientist in the lab and you had to replace them. And so now you've got this whole new formula and it takes a minute. And I don't know if it's going to be as good at the end. I don't. Um, but they've got the talent there to overcome some of that. I'm not super worried about the Eagles. So yet again, though, they are a team that could be taken uh, by a solid NFC team like the 49ers, like the Cowboys. Even, in a, of course, you know, they'll have another game against uh, the Commanders, which I hope Sam Howell and them uh come ready for vengeance. And if they have that opportunity, they do go for it. And in the game, their next couple of games at LA Rams at New York jets, they'll host the dolphins and they'll go to the commanders again before they host the Eagles are their next five games. And then just to go six, cause I see it there on the schedule at Kansas city chiefs primetime game. So they've got some fun ones. I mean, I think even at the Rams is going to be a really close game. I think Sean McVay is going to be cooking up some good stuff. I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Rams. I think they are an injury away from just being done. If you lose an offensive lineman, if you lose any of those defensive playmakers like Donald, I think it's over with. I think they've got six, seven marquee dudes, but they're going to get cut back here soon. Puka's playing out of his mind. I think that'll be a fun game. So uh, Rams, Eagles, that's one to watch for. Yeah, and, and us too good on the Sam Howe point in terms of him, him coming back and getting that revenge when they do face off against the Eagles again, I think a lot of credit uh, needs to go for how he bounced back from his week three performance against the yes. Bills. I mean, the Bills yes. were just terrorizing. Uh, Sam Howe took him down for nine sacks last week. He threw four picks on top of it. And for him to come out and play the way he did against the Eagles defense is one of the better defenses in the league. Um, a lot of credit needs to be given to Sam Howe. And I think a lot of eyebrows are being raised um, at the level which he's performing so far. I think, you know, a lot of people thought that this wouldn't last very long um, with him as their starter and didn't have too much belief um, that he was going to last beyond this year or even get through the whole year as their starter. Um, but for him to perform the way he has, he's certainly going to be uh, – <laughs> Very, very much a Taylor Heineke type in which he's going to compete for that job and throughout the rest of the season and, and going forward um, if the commanders do end up going, you know, for a quarterback um, come this draft. I think they, I, I think he's it. I think Sam Howell's it. I think uh, Eric Bieniemy loves him. And I, I think I really like what I'm seeing from that. So let's go over to the monthly report, which kind of brings us to that rookie quarterbacks. And this is just going to kind of be going through a couple of things. It's been the first month of football. We've seen what's happened. And so I'm not going to really lay out a bunch of a analytics and stats here. Just kind of eye test um, what's best, what's worst. Rookie quarterback, you've heard me talk about him each week. So again, I'm not going to go into it overly, you know, uh, gushing about him. CJ Stroud, absolute monster. Anthony Richardson right up there with him. If it weren't for that injury, we might be talking a little bit more about him. Uh, if you want to go watch some really exciting tape, him against the Rams was absolutely astounding. It was, it was fantastic. You saw every aspect of what you wanted to see from Anthony Deshaun Richardson. I mean, the throws were there. The move maneuver in and, in and out of the pocket, make a man miss, running someone over, uh, extending a play, getting out of bounds, 
ball placement, arm strength. It was all there. He, he, he's got all the pieces, and they're already starting to refine him. I think the Shane Steichen-Anthony Richardson combo is chef's kiss. C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, give me more of it. And again, we just mentioned Sam Howell. Those, those are three guys. I think I'm going to give the best to C.J. Stroud right now after a month, but those are three rookies that are really impressing. And when's the last time we saw two rookies come out like A.R. and C.J.? It'd be RG3 and Andrew Luck. That's the last time we saw two rookies off the bat play like this. And for Anthony Richardson, too, you got Jonathan Taylor returning back to practice this week. Yes, that's exciting, man. Watch out for the Colts. Watch out for the Colts. If if Jonathan Taylor really does want to play, and if he's saying, you know what, screw it, I'm going to play, I'm going to just shut my mouth and hopefully try and get somewhat of a bag, whatever running back bag is right now in this the way this league's structured, they would be a terrifying backfield. I mean, that little read option, I, I don't know how you defend that. That would be so much fun. I really hope for just for the sake of AR and the Colts and, and just selfishly my, my pleasure on Sundays watching them, I mean, that'd be great. Um, but the worst, I'm sorry, it's been Bryce Young and the worst rookie QB that is. And again, we've, we've talked a little bit about him. I've kind of maintained that I'm going to refrain a lot of my judgment on Bryce Young until next year, but no quarterback in the top 10 really comes into a good situation. You know, right? That's kind of usually the way it goes. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bad team. That's the way the NFL structured. If you have a high pick, more than likely you could trade up. You could have already traded and had a bad team's pick. Obviously, there are exceptions. But most of the time, you're going into a franchise who's, who's in a low point. And, and, and Bryce Young, AR, CJ, these are all the factors are the same. They're, they're at a low point. And now, obviously, some weapons are different. Um, some resources have been used in different ways. I think the Panthers would probably be the worst on on all of those categories, just as far as your, your roster construction. But it's not like any of these guys are walking into a, a beautifully constructed 53-man roster with a Super Bowl head coach. I mean, these all, these guys have C.J. Stroud and A.R. have the new head coaches. Bryce Young has the one guy, Frank Reich, who's, who's established in this league as a quarterback-type guy. Um, he doesn't have the O-line, but neither does C.J. Stroud right now. And frankly, Anthony Richardson isn't great either. I mean, C.J. Stroud, the Texans used a lot of money, but all of them are hurt. So C.J. Stroud doesn't have any of that. I, I, again, I'm, I'm going to refrain a lot of my judgment for Bryce Young, but uh, part of me goes, you know, when I watch him, I, I don't see it. And I know the weapons are terrible. They don't have a tight end. The offensive line's bad. They don't have a running game to speak of. I mean, the weapons... I don't. I don't think it are that bad. I mean, really, this is coming from the. You got Hayden Hurst, a tight end who has has been an, a decent receiving tight end the last the last couple of years at wide receiver. You did sign Adam Thielen. Is Adam Thielen on the back half of his career? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes, you did. You did draft Terrence Marshall a couple of years ago. Has that one panned out? No, it hasn't. Jonathan Ooh. Mingo, you drafted this year. He was hurt this week. Uh. You know he hasn't been great either to start the season. I, I look. I'm not saying it's it's a great cast to work with. Yeah, it's a bad but, cast. No, you laid it out perfectly. It's a terrible cast. Come on, man. Hayden Hurst in in 2020 his best season he had 570 yards. That was his best year. Hayden Hurst. I mean, again, he's a, he's a chain mover at best. He's not getting open. He doesn't have incredible hands. Hayden Hurst is a is a tight end too on a on a good team. 
How many high-level tight ends are there in the league? Fantasy tight ends, you might be right. But come on, I, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of really talented guys in the league. Yes, obviously, it's it's Travis Kelsey, drop-off, Mark Andrews, and, you know, I don't know. Honestly, I don't even know who's on that class because before the season, I would have said Goddard and Waller, but both those guys aren't there. So you're right. It, it's a little bit weird. That, I mean, Laporta, you've got some new guys, obviously, kind of looking really good right now. But I... I don't know, man. Hayden Hurst. Like, it, I th- I think it's a decent tight end for a position in which you clearly have not addressed in terms of drafting, in terms of getting one of the younger guys. I do like a lot of the younger guys, like Kate Otten. Uh, you got Musgrave with Luke Musgrave with with the Packers. Yep. Um, and then you mentioned Sam Laporta. You know, you look at the high level. You have obviously Kelsey Waller, Andrews. Um. And, you know, from that tier, there's a, a Kittle as well in that top tier. Then I think there's a tier two where I would put Tyler Higby, Evan Ingram, you know, in that kind of class. And then I I would put Hayden Hurst at the tier three level, which is an average league tight end. I would oh, put I'm, I'm going to go through my list here. I'm calling BS on all this. I, I'm going to I'm going to go through a list because I don't want to do this off the top of my head. But, but like, do we even did we mention TJ Hawkinson? Did you mention him? Did we make okay, it? sorry. TJ TJ was in tier two going into this year. The way he's performed this year, I put him at at top tier. Uh, you know what? This is this is going to be a whole segment now. A tight end tier pod. Hayden Hurst. Again, I'm not trying to trash the guy. He's he's a chain mover. He he's he's nothing more than that. He's not creating. You, uh, really, it's irrelevant. It's a moot point. They don't have a creator. It's like on a basketball okay. team. You've got a yeah. bunch of guys who, who, who can maybe shoot a three-pointer, but you don't have anyone who can get fucking open. And that's the thing. Adam Thielen, I mean, he's he's in his he's in his 30s now. He doesn't have the speed. He's a nice route runner. I like him as a, sec, as a third option on a good team, but that's their number one. DJ Chark has dealt with injuries and never really lived up to it. We, we, we went through the Marshall thing, kind of the same. Jonathan Mingo was a, a guy who was raw talent out of Ole Miss who could go up and get a football as far as athletically, but he's not a great route runner. He doesn't have the sideline awareness. He doesn't high point the ball like a lot of these guys should, uh, like a vet receiver will learn to. I I mean, this is coming from a Chiefs fan and a Giants fan who have wide receiver issues. I mean, Amir Smith-Marset is the the Panthers' sixth wide receiver who they signed right before the season started from Kansas City because they needed someone and Kansas city was just using him as a special teams guy who may have made the roster as a wide receiver, but like, they're like, no, let's bring him in. We need him as depth, but we need someone. I, so I do think it's the worst. I, in my opinion, I think it's the worst skill position group in the league. I, I've maintained that this season. Um, but again, you watch Bryce young. He does not pass the eye test. He, he, like even the plays that work, someone's like, it's just, He's small, man. He's small. He's, his balls are getting batted down. He, when when the when the pockets muddled, and he's pressured, it looks like he can't really see where he's throwing to, and he's kind of throwing up a prayer. He doesn't have the room to operate. I don't know. I don't know, man. I really thought that he was going to be able to overcome some of this. That was the obvious worry was the size. And again, I'm going to hold back for a little bit. I think I'm already struggling here four weeks in because I just don't see it, and I just want to see it more. I just want to see something. I hope the Panthers make a midseason trade. I don't. I haven't thought about their picks and cap situation and the actual, you know, how much that really makes sense for the longevity of their franchise. But just for, for just for Bryce, I mean, pff, go get T Higgins, go do it. 
Go get someone, please. My God. I mean, and, and the running back situation, like they went out and they signed Miles Sanders this offseason to, to try to help with the running game. It really hasn't amounted to much. You have Chuba Hubbard back there as well. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I agree with you. I think I think Bryce Young's still adjusting. Um, and and on the, you know, the piece you said there as far as that him being able to get out of the pocket really like it seems like that elusiveness that we saw last year with Bama where he just you couldn't you couldn't bring him down it was almost yeah. impossible to bring him down it's just not the same it, it's it's not the same at all um so far this season and and again I, I you know when you get to the NFL those guys are faster stronger than in college they're more skilled than they were in college so I think he's just still adjusting to that fact um and look, I, I, I guess his receiving options aren't great to work with either. I think that's just, that's an understatement again. I think they're total garbage, but that's fine. Uh, let's do keep going with this monthly report. Um, Sorry, love me some Hayden Hurst. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got a, a Hayden Hurst battle. Hey, email us at uh, gmail dot com your thoughts on Hayden Hurst, please. Please tell me what tier he's in from tight ends. Uh, all right, team, monthly report, best team right now, Buffalo Bills uh, and San Francisco 49ers from each conference. Uh, you can kind of work out which one you think is one or two. Uh, again, we're a month in. I'm not saying these are all – this is not set in stone. This is all going to change maybe in the next week. You know, if we did this last week, it would have been the Dolphins. And then what do you know? The Bills show how stout their defense is, sad about Tredavious White losing him, obviously, to the Achilles injury. is going to be huge. But uh, no, No Jordan Poyer for that game either, and they – they still did had no problem with the, the Dolphins' offense. Yeah, and they're going to get Von Miller back. So, frankly, the defense will probably even itself out. But again, Trey White, uh, uh, a massive piece to lose. Uh, worst team in the league right now. We just talked about him. I think it's the Panthers. I think this is the worst team. It, it's definitely not the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, Giants are close. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. I can't even argue that. I can't even argue that. It might be the New York Giants. Oh, that's so bad. We'd put probably Panthers where, over the Bears? I think so. I think I'd put the Panthers worse than the Bears. I think so. I think the Bears have a worse defense, but I think offensively the Bears have just a much higher ceiling with Fields. Who hasn't yeah, been good? They had, I mean, they had a that, 21 point lead to work with as well on Sunday. They did. Yeah. Four touchdowns for Fields, all passing. Quite interesting. Let's go here. Quarterback. Best Josh Allen and Justin Herbert right now for me. That's kind of just Agree. kind of where I'm at just so far this season. Those guys have been. I'd put Brock Purdy in that conversation. Oh God, are you are you kidding? Oh look look look! I'm not saying I'm not saying he's lighting it up, you know, throwing for 300 yards, but he's, he's not, been yeah. doing his job, like not turning the ball over. He's been fairly accurate, very little incompletions. Like he's been he's been doing his job, and especially with. He's got all sorts of talent to work with. I mean, you look at McCaffrey on Sunday with three touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Like that, four. I'm sorry. Yeah, one off. <laughs> but it, like, he's got a ton of talent to work with, and he doesn't have to do much. But still, I think Brock Purdy has played really well to start this season. I, I've just, I just want to give that credit. Brock Purdy's played fantastic. I mean, just from an efficiency standpoint, it's it's hard to beat it. But that next level. Of like, hey, my team needs me right now. I got to go make a play. Purdy does not have that level. He he hasn't been tested. 
he he hasn't been tested in that regard in terms of the 49ers being down and him needing to lead them back on a comeback drive. He hasn't been tested. So I I will say that and I'm not again, I'm not putting him over Herbert and Allen. This is crazy. But I think he deserves some credit four weeks in. I'm a pretty guy. You're gonna make me hate Purdy now? I, I... No, no, he does deserve some credit. Fine, 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 fine. G- great job. What, what am I supposed to say, Patrick Mahomes, and, and make you feel happy? <laughs> no, he doesn't deserve it after Sunday night, I, I, and we're going to get to that a little bit. But uh, fine, yes, Purdy's great. We'll put him at three just to, to make you happy, Alex. And, and worst quarterback right now, Desmond Ritter. Yes. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. And this team actually can't have a chance in this this uh just kind of whatever division in the NFC South, they can have a chance with Taylor Heineke. I truly believe that they can have a chance with Taylor Heineke. They got to pull him now. How bad is it looking for Arthur Blank uh, when Lamar was looking for his contract for Arthur Blank to come out and say that they weren't going after Lamar because of the injuries that, because of the question marks in terms of his sustainability with the injuries that he's had so far and just Mm. the way in which he over overall that he plays, that he was just bound to be injury prone and the Falcons hesitate to make that move. And now look how it's going to just shoot them in the foot. It's crazy. Imagine Bijan Robinson and Lamar Jackson in the backfield together. Imagine Tyler Algier with Lamar Jackson. I mean, imagine Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Oh. He'd be Mark Andrews right now. Oh no. He'd be even better. God damn it. Well, no, uh, never mind. Arthur Smith's the coach, so it'd be Johnny Smith actually. <laughs> yeah, led all tight ends in yards last week. Johnny Smith, 94 yards. Uh, okay, let's go to coaches here. Best Kyle Shanahan, worst uh, Josh McDaniels and Brandon Staley. We we have talked about these two time and time again, and every time I think I lose years off my life, Alex. That is how bad the the the, the it is. It's it's so embarrassingly bad, and uh, I don't know why we keep doing it, Alex. Because I think I'm literally losing years off of my life. But let's get into it uh, uh, again. Okay, Jesus. Okay, so Chargers and Raiders are playing. You've got the two worst coaches that I just mentioned playing against each other. Just see how bad they can, just see how many mistakes and weird decisions they can make in succession. Brandon Staley, first, the Chargers. They have it. It's the fourth quarter. It's fourth down and one on their own 34 with three minutes and 34 seconds left to go. This is an obvious punt situation. Your defense played well. You're playing a rookie quarterback who's never played an NFL snap before until today in Aiden O'Connell. You can do this. Khalil Max having an out-of-his-mind, out-of-his-body type experience right now. Six sacks that game. They go for it on their own 34. Of course they do, right? Of course Staley does. It's- they just did it last week, Mac! <laughs> they did what? what? Why are you doing it? They do it again. He goes for it. Uh, and they almost lost the game! He should have lost the game. Should have lost the game last week to the Minnesota Vikings. This week, it's the same somehow by the skin of his teeth. These stupid decisions are not biting him in the ass. So then they get it back. Josh McDaniel says, hold my beer. I've got this with so many dumbass decisions I can make. So Josh McDaniels with rookie Aiden O'Connell, he gets the ball now. Um, and they pass six straight times. They pass six straight times, Alex. They never give the ball to last year's rushing leader in Josh Jacobs. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we'll get into Josh McDaniels after the game, blaming his own rookie quarterback, who I thought actually looked really solid. 
They passed six straight times. And again, remember the time on the clock. You could have said, okay, let's run the ball a couple of times. Let's let's get a touchdown here with, with zero time left on the clock for Herbert in this offense. Let's go to overtime. Hopefully we win a coin toss and have a hell of a divisional game. Instead, they pass six straight times. Aiden O'Connell throws an interception. And the Chargers then get the ball back. What do they do then, Alex? You know what they do. It's Brandon Staley. So he runs it twice. The Raiders use a timeout. Two-minute warning then on that second run. It's third and 11. At this point, it's like, okay, let's cut our losses. At most, you might throw a screen pass. At most, maybe even not that because the clock could stop. But Staley says, whatever, man. I'm going to throw a 40, 50-yard prayer to Josh Palmer one-on-one. And because Herbert, like we mentioned it, is playing out of his mind. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now at this very moment. Throws a dime. They were able to win the game and they knee it down after that. But if they don't get that, there's like a minute 56 on the clock, and the Raiders get the ball back. <laughs> like, this is, it's, it's, it does not cease to amaze me, the decision-making. And, and when Asante Samuel Jr. picked off Aiden O'Connell, you could see on video Brandon Staley telling Asante Samuel to get down, to get down. Oh, just, yes. And he, Asante Samuel could have run it back to the house. He had no one in front of yep. him, and he told him to just get down. Great point. Great point. Could have ended it right there with a pick six. You're right. Absolutely could have ended it. And, but you're right, because he's listening to his coach. He's a good player. He says, oh, my coach says, get down. Okay, I'll get down. I'll get down. <laughs> it's insane. He almost gave them the ball back again. And then, of course, Josh Daniels ha- had the game in his hands. He needed to gain, you know, what was it, 30 yards. Uh, with this offense to tie up the game. You threw it six times. Six times in a row, man. I cannot believe that. And, and Mac, before before the infamous Brandon Staley going forward on a fourth down in his own territory, before that, the Raiders' offensive possession, the Raiders, you know, they drove down, the, and I'm trying to pull up the exact time. So it was with 5.14 left in the fourth quarter, they were down at the they were down on the 3 yard on the Chargers 3 the 3 yard line. They did a pass play, threw it to Devontae Adams. The officials r- ruled it that he was at the one the, the ball was caught at the 1 yard line. But when you looked at the replay of it, even the CBS commentators for the game were like, "Oh, that that they may look at that and overturn it because it looked like he was in the end zone." Again, this was with 5:14 left in the fourth quarter. This is valuable time that you need, that, that you're going to need down the line. And Josh McDaniels decides to, to call a no-huddle quarterback sneak on third and goal, and it doesn't even give the officials the chance to do a booth review on the Devontae Adams potential score. Oh, my God. And then they get stopped on the quarterback sneak, and then on fourth and goal they run – a uh, Josh Jacobs scores, so they get the touchdown that they needed. But again, when Josh Jacobs scored, it was with 3.59 left in the fourth quarter. You wasted a minute of your time because you decided to run a no huddle on a touchdown that easily could have been overturned and could play could have been stopped by the officials doing an official review themselves. And hell, you could have even thrown a challenge yourself. I mean, it was just... 
these two coaches and I, I texted you during the game, Max. Yeah. It was like watch it was watching two of the dumbest coaches in this league go back and forth with one another. Like, here, I'm gonna do something even stupider than you this possession. Just watch. And to watch them in this these final five minutes where clearly these guys just are panicking with every decision that they make and just making these type of calls that you could easily look back on, you know, we look back on today and say, how the hell are these guys still the coaches there? I mean, both of these fan bases are done with these boneheaded decisions for both of them. And the fact that Brandon Staley has come out of it now, going forward on fourth down his own territory, two straight weeks. The fact that he didn't learn his lesson last week and the fact that they almost lost, they only won that game because Kirk Cousins threw a pick. And for the same thing to happen this week, Brandon Staley – He's gonna think he's the he's a genius. He's a genius. He must think that because how do you do it again? Yeah, he does. Well, he, yeah, he's he's never gonna learn. He he's he, I he's gonna have to get fired. That's what it's gonna be. And you and you mentioned uh, Josh McDaniels having the ability to you know not waste a minute, uh, throw a challenge flag, all these things. No, instead he's gonna throw his rookie quarterback uh, who who was undrafted under the bus and say, "quote You can't turn it over in the NFL." You threw it six times. You threw it six times in a row, one of which he had a great 12-yard completion for a first down, by the way, which wasn't really open. O'Connell threw it open. I mean, unbelievable that he wasn't able to take accountability and say, yeah, I had a couple of big mistakes there. I could have put my players in a better situation. I've got to go watch the tape and really look at what I can do. I mean, I know coaches don't necessarily say that, but some version of that, just looking at Josh McDaniel, started off 6-0 and with Denver in 2010 because he was cheating. He was straight up cheating. He was stealing practice footage. He was pulling a Bill Belichick. He came from the Patriots, learned a little bit. And uh, he's now 18 and 30 overall. So he's 12 and 30 since he started cheating as a head coach. 12 and 30. He's the worst head coach in the league. Because at least with Brandon Staley, you can say, well, he's new to it. I mean, this is his second, third year, right? I mean, he hasn't really done this before. So, okay, fine. He, he's just taking some risks. With, with Josh McDaniels, you, you've now seen this over and over again, multiple franchises. He's he, he's he isn't learning. I do like I do like Aiden O'Connell though. I mean, I I can't believe you throw the rookie like that under the bus with the way in which Terrible. he performed. Like he he surpassed expectations with the way he performed yesterday, and to just throw him under the bus like he did at the end there. I mean, that is just any other coach in that league is just yeah, you know, like. Is gonna pad Aiden O'Connell for well, he he put a made a hell of an effort today, like kept us in this ball game, and unfortunately, yeah. you know, made a mistake. Like obviously, you you don't want to throw the throw an inter, you don't want to throw an interception there in the in the end zone in the red zone. I mean, look at Daniel Jones; he did it last night, but you, you just can't throw him under the bus like that for a rookie. All right, let's go to our worry meter before we get out of here. Just tell me one to ten how worried you are. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about some of these, but. Um, for a lot of these, just give me a number one to ten. Ten being, I am panic button. This is past panic button. It is, it is over with. So Tua, one to ten. Where are you at? One, two. Okay. Not worried at all. I mean, no, Bills, Bills defense has turned it around since week one against the Jets, where they they look sloppy, and yeah, it, they're good defense. I mean, I, I think Tua's fine. I mean, he's played great up up until this week, so I'm not worried at all. Not worried. You're right. I'll go one or two. Um, 
I just don't think he has that next level that he'll have to have when it comes playoff time against a, a, a Bills defense, against uh, what I thought was maybe going to be a Bengals defense, but it's going to be a Ravens you know, defense. Same, same sort of thing. Um, up until this week, a Chiefs unit on the defensive side that looks has looked awesome and has flown around. So I, I, I'm not worried, and it's not. I, I don't. I just. I don't know if he has that next step. I think he's probably a top ten quarterback, and he's he's extremely accurate and excellent at the things that he is excellent at. But those other things he really doesn't have as far as extending the plays and and making those next level throws. He is human, you know. He is. Whereas Josh Allen and Mahomes and and even Hurts and. And some of these other guys, Burrow, when he's healthy, that they 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 show these non-human sides to them. I think two is completely mortal. Um, Derek Carr, Danny Dimes on that list too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Superhero. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's Superman. Yeah. You're right. Okay. I forget <laughs> my mistake. Uh, Derek Carr, where are you at? That's that's tough. Uh, I would I would put it at like a four. I mean, yeah. Honestly, like like Derek Carr has been Derek Carr for the last, like apart from that ten win season that the Raiders had, in which he played well and then ultimately got injured at the end of the year. Like I think Derek Carr has played at the level that we can expect out of him. Um, and so like for me, I I feel like he's just played on par with it. Uh, I I I. I'm not worried about it because I, I just feel like he's just playing at the level in which he's he's at. And the Saints, they don't really have any better options because you throw Jameis Winston out there like they did against the Bucks and <laughs> picked off immediately. So Okay, he went into a garbage time situation. I, don't hit me with that. No, Jameis should have played that game and it would have been a closer game had he played the whole time. The record for a player getting 13 receptions um, and how many yards they have, the lowest was 70. Um, to have a player get 13 receptions, the lowest yards ever was 70. Alvin Kamara broke that uh, by half, 33 yards on 13 receptions. That's peak Derek Carr. And I'm a Derek Carr guy. I have not seen him look the way he has in years past to my uh, mind, my eye test. I'm a five or a six. I might be a six or a seven here soon with that injury. Uh, let's first go Steve. Bucks defense also really good. Just, just worth saying. You're right. No, you're right. It is. It, it is. Um, Saints defense is too. That game should have been closer. That game should have been closer. True. Um, True. Steelers offense. Oh, that's that's a nine. Yeah, I'm at a nine. I mean, they're they're Agreed. putrid. Yeah, it's it's so bad. Uh, Najee Harris. Uh, he's he's right up there with an eight or a nine. Agreed. Uh, I I think the offensive line does does not help him too much, but the fact that Jalen Warren's still having a lot of success compared to Najee Harris, I'm pretty concerned. This is a worse version of Zeke and Pollard. Like, not only are they both worse, but just the difference between their skill sets, I think, is even wider than it was with Zeke and Pollard. I think Jalen Warren is a lot better than Najee. I thought that before the season. I, I started to see Najee. Uh, yeah, I think that was a bust. I think that was a bust. That was a bad pick. And, yeah, I'm very worried. Uh, Jags offense. I put it at a five right now. Moderate concern. Um, I you know, with Doug Peterson, who's thought of to be as, you know, one of the offensive geniuses in this league, the fact that they're, they're struggling with how, how many weapons that they have to work with. Um, you got Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, but their offensive line is one of the worst units in the league. And that's really, it's really hurting them. Uh, it certainly helps when you play a team like the Falcons who don't have a quarterback. So you can capitalize on games like that, but 
when they play, you know, high level opponents, like we mentioned earlier with Tua, you know, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the the Bills, like I, I just don't see how the way that w- which they've performed in four weeks, how they would be able to overcome those type of teams um, because their offensive line is just that bad. Agreed. Chiefs wide receivers. I'll, I'll let you take that one. <sighs> I'm going to go. And then I've got a follow-up. I've got a follow-up. Okay, after. great. Yeah, let's do this. Let's talk a little bit of Chiefs here before we get out of here. We haven't really talked a lot about them. Um I'm I'm starting to I, I I am at the I'm right before the tipping point. I'm not worried yet, but it's now on my my radar and I'm going to be worried here in the next couple of weeks if I don't start to see something. Um I'm at a, like a 4. I think there are solutions on this roster um both as from a player skill standpoint and just from an offensive system scheming play calling type standpoint. I think there are solutions here. I think Rasheed Rice has looked magnificent. Um, I want to see some Justin Ross. It's it's time. It's time to get Ross out there. I mean, he made the roster. He's been this magnificent story. Um, he's healthy. It's time to put him in and see what he can do. I mean, let's go. Let's put rubber to the road. Let's let's try and see what it, if this athletic monster who's you know six two six three and runs a four four and can do these things. Let's even do it on the field. I mean, I'm I'm ready. He's got it all um, because right now. The man beaters aren't there with who they're playing. And I thought Sky Moore, I mean, uh, among rookies last year uh, for, I think it was, I forgot the exact snap count. It was at minimum 125 or 150 snaps among rookie wide receivers last year. Just as far as beating man coverage, he was the third best. I mean, none of the rookie wide receivers, you know, other than the, the, the main guys really did it better than Sky Moore. Sky Moore was a guy who could, time and route run really well and and be extremely efficient with his movement. And I'm not going to say that I haven't seen it, but I definitely, it, 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 the step up that I thought I was going to get from my guy sky is it's not there. I've been on that bandwagon. It's not there yet. He's had a couple of nice moments when he's got the ball in his hands. It's good. Um, but he's, none of these guys are getting open. Justin Watson's a, a, a guy who can go over the top in the secondary and he, he's six, two and he runs a four, four and it's fine, but he's not beating anyone on a route and he's not going to have a nice toe tap sideline catch. And I mean, MVS is, is better, but kind of the same ilk uh, uh, of where, you know, it's a long lanky guy who's fine. Uh, uh, just as far as every, you know, just name all the categories of wide receiver. He's good. Nothing's great and nothing's really bad, but nothing's over the top with MVS. I mean, there's just, they just have limitations there. So I, I'm not worried yet. Um, but it's starting to get there. I, again, I think they have the solutions on the offense, but they've got to start figuring this out. Um, All right, how about uh, how about Juwan Taylor? Oh, this is this is getting ridiculous, Alex. This is getting absolutely ridiculous. I the the illegal formations are starting to really piss me off because if you just go watch football and watch where tackles are lining up, I mean, go watch Lane Johnson for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, he lines up in the same spot that Juwan Taylor does every single down, Alex, it happens every time. You know, last week against, uh, oh gosh, now it's slipping my mind, uh, against the Chicago Bears, you have uh, Juwan Taylor get called for an illegal formation. What does Andy Reid do? He says, okay, let's uh, let's bring in Pence Winogo, uh, uh, the second string right tackle. Let's bring him in for a series. Let's bench Juwan Taylor, and let's have him line up exactly like Taylor. I want you to line up off that line right where Taylor is. 
do they call the flag once? No. So Andy Reid said that after the game too. He's testing the NFL. He's really looking at them saying, okay, are you really targeting my guy because of a week one Thursday night primetime game to kick off the season against the Detroit Lions where uh, the, the commentators just decided to nonstop talk about it? And listen, I get it. There's a couple of false start things maybe here or there, which a lot of tackles struggle with. But this illegal formation thing, if you're not going to do this league-wide and you're just going to target one player, I think it's complete bullshit. And frankly, it's just... You see everyone else do it. Everyone else is doing this. This is not an anomaly by any means. And so it's it's really starting to tick me off because if you just look at Taylor's pass protection numbers, I mean, he has been a great right tackle just when he when he's not, you know, in that, that holding call that he had against the Jets on Sunday night. Was it a hold? Yes. Was it a safety? No. So, yes, there's been some problems. I'm not going to say Jawan Taylor's been perfect. But to say that he's been an atrocity and that, oh, wow, the Chiefs need to find a right tackle and this is panic button time, these things just aren't true. I, frankly, like, Jawan Taylor's been good and he's been targeted. And yes, there's been some holding issues, but no, if there's been any tackle that's been actually a problem, I think it's more Donovan Smith. I think the things that are happening with Jawan Taylor right now is that is the embarrassment to the National Football League right now. That is it. What do you think about that? I mean, I'll, I've got nothing to add. I mean, you're you're clearly Mac. You've been just wound up, just eating this for weeks now, and I just I wanted to unleash it. I wanted to, and it's, especially too when it was Jawan Taylor that was called for the hold on Sunday night. I was like, oh, I bet Mac is just losing it right now. Well, and and and. And another thing, Alex, now that you've got me going, speaking of Donovan Smith, Donovan Smith, yes, he's had a couple of holding calls. But that non-call that everyone's talking about on third and 22, I don't think that was a hold. He was within frame, and you had whatever edge rusher not really trying to go for the quarterback. I don't think that was some egregious miss, which, by the way, that same play was a tight end screen meant for Travis Kelsey, who was completely rocked and held also another flag that wasn't called not to mention the horse collar that created the field goal for the jets. That wasn't a horse collar on third down or, or, or not that or, or not to mention the uh, illegal hands to the face by the right tackle on their first touchdown uh, to uh, who is it? I can't remember his name right now. Give me a second. CJ Uzama. That's it in the corner. Uh, they, they, that wasn't created because of an illegal hands to the face that created our right. Uh, but what about the sauce Gardner call? Uh, you can't, you can't grab a player's shoulder pad. Do you know that Alex? It's crazy. You can't reach around a guy's Jersey and grab him on the shoulder pad. It's, it's fascinating to me. All the football fans that are learning the rules for the first time. So welcome to the game. Um, these are the rules that we've established now and uh, they're pretty fucking easy. Uh, uh, God, it, it, it just, Again, I'm not going to say that the Donovan Smith holding call doesn't have a little bit of, uh, you know, say either way. I can see both sides, but I don't think it really was as egregious as everyone's making it. The Sauce Gardner call, I mean, that was a hold. That was a hold. And I mean, literally the first three jet scores were all created because of of, of missed calls, non-calls, calls that shouldn't have been called against. I mean, so just miss me with the refs. The refs were really, 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 really bad that game. Both sides, terrible, abysmal. They need to be reviewed. They need to be looked at. But I, I'm so tired of the narrative that the, the Chiefs are just been given this and Mahomes bailed out yet again, just like the Super Bowl. It's garbage. It's garbage, and it's lazy. And it's lazy, Alex. That's what They're it is. They're Taylor Swift's team. The NFL's got to do what they got to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yep, just got to shake it off. Okay, Um 
Bill Belichick. That was a good one. Bill, thank you. Uh, Bill Belichick, one to ten, and then we're done. I know a doozy to end it, man. I'm just gonna just gonna drop the mic on. Are you worried about the greatest coach of all time? I, I'd put it at a at a six, like slightly above moderate concern. Because okay, so the the rumor is that he's still staying around because Don Shula is the winningest coach of all time. So the ultimate. F you to Dom Shula, yep. who criticized Belichick for his whole cheating scandal and said how, like, ultimately when, you know, Bill Belichick goes to the Hall of Fame when that day comes, that people are going to look at his record and see that there's, you know, a black spot on it from from his cheating scandals in the past. Um, and so they say Bill Belichick is determined to beat Don Shula's record uh, and then go out, the, then retire so that he can say he won more games than Don Shula. So, I'm I'm concerned because I don't know how he's going to ever break that record. Um, considering the Patriots are so bad, um, they they're clearly going to need to look for another quarterback. Mac Jones is not going to do it there. Um, who knows? Maybe Bailey Zapp is the answer. Uh, but I, I mean, they're just they're they're not going to be able to compete this year. I, I already ruled them out for the playoffs last week. And Belichick, it just makes you wonder, too, the fact that he has been an under 500 coach without Tom Brady. It's raising the question. And the longer he goes on, too, you know, I don't think Bill Belichick ever thinks about his legacy. But the longer he goes on, too, without Tom Brady and the more that record goes under 500, I think it's certainly, you know, that age old argument was it all Brady or, or was it majority Brady or majority Belichick for the Patriots success? I think it just furthers that argument toward the side of it was mostly Brady. Um, so that that's where, that's why I'm concerned in terms of, I just don't know how much longer he puts up with it because it, it doesn't seem like they have any sort of promise that he could look forward to. And you mentioned it there with that Brady-Belichick comparison. That's kind of what brings the worry to me too, Alex, is the legacy. We've got a legacy on the line in Bill Belichick. I mean, he's the GOAT, cemented, head coach to me. But if this were to go on for four or five more seasons, would he still be? I don't know. I don't know, especially if you've got a guy like Andy Reid over there in Kansas City who, who wins a couple more. And I'm not saying, again, I know he wouldn't have the same amount, but all of a sudden he's a top three winning as head coach of all time, and he's done all these different things with all these quarterbacks and some of the best offenses. And, and all of a sudden you start to creep up on these different conversations while Bill Belichick's sitting there on a below middling team that hasn't, you know, seen success, like you said, since the departure of Tom Brady. So yeah, I'm an, I'm at an eight. I'm, I'm extremely worried about Bill Belichick as a GM. I have been at a 10 for the last three or four years. I think he's, um, washed would honestly be a compliment because I don't know if he ever really had it. Um, I mean, no. his, his coaching staff hires are just questionable, too. I mean, he continues yes. to, to hire his guys, um, and they continually end up falling flat because of it. I mean, you build, bring back Bill O'Brien. You've had Josh McDaniels for however long. You had Matt Patricia at one point running the, off, running, running the offense. I mean, like, this team has been – the coaching decisions that he's made has been terrible on top of some of the roster decisions. So I, I agree with that 100%. I think we're getting to the place where that conversation is opening up. Alex is, is he on the hot seat? I, I mean, I, I know it's crazy to say, but even a guy like Bill isn't immune to that, especially when expectations for a franchise 
have been established. And of course, they're not going to be Super Bowls every year, but playoffs, you know, chance to win the division. You've got an owner in Robert Kraft who's old and who wants to win again. Clearly, he wants to win again. But I, I just I just don't see Robert Kraft having the type of gall to tell Belichick, Belichick hey, yeah, buddy, you, your time's over. It's time for you to go. Like, I think Belichick has built that type of loyalty through all the Super Bowl wins that he's he's had for Bob Kraft to where Bob Kraft is it's one of those conversations where you know Bob invites him over to his Nantucket lake house and says hey Bill have you considered retiring maybe and I think Bill will ultimately see it as well like I don't think Bill is blind to the fact that maybe it's time for him to just hang it up and again I think I don't think it was just Tom or just Bill. I think those conversations are, are, are dumb and they don't look at the full picture, but they are going to happen nevertheless. And you open up the door uh, to criticism more and more. You stay and don't have the success without Tom Brady there. And yeah, I'm just concerned. And he just kind of seems like that old dog who can't learn new tricks now. And before it was, he was the guy almost inventing the new tricks you know, and that's not the case anymore. He's he's not the cutting edge. He he doesn't surround himself with these new up and comers who are creating new things and he's adapting. He's not doing any of that. And he's not building a roster that would indicate that he wants to do any of those things. Oh, I'm gonna build speed, sideline to sideline stuff. This offense is gonna be built on pre-snap motions and and RPOs and it, it's not there. I mean, he he got Mac Jones, who I mean is a carbon copy you know, physically and, and stylistically of what Tom Brady is, you know, he went after the same thing. And I'm not saying you can't do that, but that's certainly not where the league has been headed these past 10 seasons. So. And, and he got, he got Cam Newton 10 God, years too late. Yes. Oh, I hated that move so much. Oh, it was such a bad move. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I think we're both a little worried about that. And I think that is, uh, that's crazy to say, cause it's Bill Belichick. And I, again, hats off to him. I, at his best, I've never seen a football team more organized and well-coached in my whole life. But man, oh man, it looks real bad right now. And you start to match it up again. You look at a guy like Andy Reid where you're like, maybe the bests, Andy Reid bests, maybe aren't quite up with Bill Belichick's, but his worsts aren't there with Bill's either. You know, So you start to look at those things. And again, this isn't a Chiefs fan saying, is Andy going to be the GOAT? This isn't me trying to do that at all. It's just conversations that are going to be had. They just are if, if certain things go certain ways. And yeah, I don't want that for Bill. I don't. I, I've always respected him, even though I <laughs> grew up hating the Patriots, as most people did. I mean, Bel- Belichick's a staple to the National Football League. And uh, I hope he doesn't, it doesn't end poorly. Uh, great pod, Alex. Uh, loved having you, man. Uh, hopefully we've got some better news for your Giants. I don't foresee that, though, with uh, a game coming up against the Dolphins, and then uh, obviously I, I hope that we are having a better conversation about my, my Chiefs offense and these wide receivers uh, and their ability to get open as the Chiefs will play against what has been a not good defense in the Minnesota Vikings, to say the least, at Minnesota. So we'll be keeping an eye on, obviously, our teams as as well as a, a bunch of teams around the league, a bunch of fun games coming up next week. We're excited to talk about it all. And again, in two weeks, we're going to do a whole NBA season preview, go through a bunch of moves, all the teams, the East, the West, what to expect, predictions. Super excited about it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Alex, thanks again for hopping on, man. 
Thank you as always for having me, Mac. It's a pleasure talking to you every single week. And you can catch us again next week on the Behind the Box Score podcast. Thanks so much.